This is Dream Space from Factory International with me, Gemma Kearney. I'm an art lover and broadcaster, and for as long as I can remember, I've always been interested in how the power of our imaginations can help us dream up new worlds for ourselves. In every episode, we're inviting a special guest to take over our minds, our imaginations, our dream space with whatever they want, creating their perfect lineup of art, music, inspiration, and hopefully much, much more. Together, we'll create a new vision, pushing the boundaries of what is possible, asking for what kind of art the world needs right now, and inventing tomorrow together. There's no limits to dreams, so open your mind, get relaxed, and let's get Today, we're dreaming with the brilliant Sabrina Mafuz, a multifaceted playwright, lyricist, poet, and screenwriter. Based between London, LA and Cairo, Sabrina's work spans theatre, television, radio, poetry and essays. Her work explores the intricacies of her British, Egyptian and Guyanese heritage, as well as class, social inequality and so, so much more. For Factory International's first official opening show, she's bringing her storytelling prowess to a world-first dance adaptation of the sci-fi classic The Matrix. The show is called Free Your Mind, something that really aligns with what we're doing here on Dream Space and promises to reconfigure your mind, body and spirit. Sabrina, it is nice to be in your <laughs> dreams. Always. I mean, your outfits have been in my dreams for years. So you know, now, <laughs> now it's you, the whole you. <laughs> Amazing. And maybe that can be the beginnings, like... Here we are in a dream space and you get to curate what that does look like, what it feels like for any visitors. What should we be wearing in your space? Oh my goodness. I feel really strongly about everybody wearing their dream outfits as much as possible and to not wait for this special occasion or this particular time that's going to come around that potentially never does. It's an old saying don't wait for your Sunday best or something but I do think that people still do that quite a lot and I understand why you know really want to wear a ball gown and you don't want to wear it bowling you know that's understandable but I think just making sure that in my dream space everybody is wearing exactly what they feel like that day and if that is a brown that's fine and if it is jogging bottoms and trainers and a sweat top that's also fine but just having more spaces where that feels genuinely like something that's possible would really be a dream to me, rather than always feeling like you have to dress for the place that you're going to, rather than dress for how you're feeling and what you would like to look like that day. I've got a quote here, actually, which you can tell me a little bit more about. Allegedly, someone had the audacity to say this to Sabrina once. You'll never be a broadcaster. You dress like a pop star, look like an actress and speak like an athlete. <laughs> <laughs> was that said to you and in what context? Um, yeah, that was uh, as part of my postgraduate degree. I was doing international politics and diplomacy and we got you know, real world experience in one of those industries was broadcasting and particularly conflict journalism and so we went to BBC Studios and um, we sat down with somebody who who wasn't actually working at the BBC, I don't think. They were a teacher on this particular course. And that's what he said to me. And at the time, I was like, 
so happy because <laughs> number one I didn't want to be a broadcaster number two I spent a lot of effort dressing like a pop star so I was like this is amazing that he's noticed <laughs> number three I sort of wanted to be an actress before I'd wanted to do politics so I was like also tapping into that and number four I just didn't get what he meant by you speak like an athlete like I didn't know what that meant I just thought he probably meant I was really inarticulate and <laughs> And I'm sure that is partly what he meant, but obviously he also meant like my accent, I'm assuming now with years to look back on it. But yeah, it was only my friends who were there with me who afterwards were like, oh my God, I can't believe he said that to you. And I was like, oh yeah, it wasn't actually that funny, was it? It was quite quite rude. (laughs) So when we're in your dream space, we can speak however we want to speak and dress however we want to dress. And if it's like a pop star, which I definitely like, code switch into that every now and then myself (laughs) i am there in a ball gown for sure let's do it what kind of atmosphere will be initially in our space is there a particular smell a color a theme a vibe like when i get there what can I expect to see? I don't have a one dream, uh, many dreams. So again, it would just depend on like how I would be feeling that day, which is why I should probably never curate a space because every day I'd be like, can we change this? How about this? Can we change that? My dream would be for there to be multiple options within the space and that you kind of either choose or you don't get to choose. I'm not exactly sure how I feel about choice and that, the dream aspect of choice. I just kind of want to be given something amazing rather than having to choose and then be left worrying about if I've made the right choice or not. One thing would be a very pastel, like pinks, lilacs, aquas with like nice sagey scents. And then another one, depending on how it be, would just be like neon, everything just neon and like big bassy beats just everywhere. and. I don't know about smell for that one, but probably like linksy, all like nostalgic, you know. Um, that would be, you know, you know the age group of people who'd be going into that one. <laughs> and then I guess I also like really deep, deep dark colours as well, that with like dark wood and things for like more of a relaxing sandalwood kind of vibe. Well, we can have different sections. Okay, all right, let's it do that. It can be like a nightclub in the sense that we can have rooms that when we go into them we kind of know what we might get is there anything on the walls do you exhibit in this room yeah maybe people can just uh, go and put something up on the wall I don't know if you've seen there's a a show called rain dogs that was on a few weeks ago and one of the scenes they take one of the characters paintings and they go and like stick it on the wall at the gallery and I really love that I mean I quite like that sense of people going and, and putting what they consider to be wall worthy on the wall next to other things that other people once upon a time have decided are wall worthy and so yeah maybe it's kind of bring your own fine art space I like this so much of your work Sabrina is entrenched in this feeling of London or of a place that is urban that has this richness that one might get from 
being in a, a metropolis of some sort, whether that's music or whether that, like you say, is an accent, according to somebody. Is this dream space in a particular place? Is it in a city setting? Well, when I was originally thinking of this dream space, I, I kind of, because I was thinking of space, it immediately went to somewhere that wasn't a city or was on the outskirts of a city because um, even though I grew up in cities, that was at a time when there was still a lot of space in that you, know, you didn't have to go very far to find a little piece of like forest or you, you didn't, you'd go to a nightclub and it was an absolutely huge cavernous warehouse where even though you might be um, all sardined up one minute you could just go and have this huge huge space to yourself the next minute and look up and kind of feel that you're in in a church or a, you know any of those kind of large monumental buildings but now and obviously it might just be because I'm not going to explore those places anymore but I do feel like cities are much more constricted and there's less access to those large spaces unless I guess maybe if you're a sports fan you can kind of access that but I'm not so I don't but yeah so I was thinking kind of outskirts or countryside but I was also thinking about this nostalgic wave that's sort of taken over everything at the moment and how like I'm definitely getting carried along with it as well and like loving the sort of early early to late 90s nostalgia that's sweeping the cultural spaces oh i don't care where we are if someone can recreate like a late 90s world i saw somebody went viral for having like literally every single thing from 1996 in their house that just collected everything and it was amazing because it's childhood so it's long ago but it also isn't like that long ago but it's so retro and everything's so completely different that I was thinking I'd love to just step into something that was really well curated and, and genuinely felt like the 90s rather than like looking at the 90s from now. other side of that I was like mm, I think maybe that's just about wanting to get away from phones and I I think yeah my final decision would be that this would be a space without phones like not in a judgmental way but just in my own personal way of just wanting to experience things without having to experience it through a phone without having to use an app in order to access it you know I love that we can do that I love what it's brought us but I also when it comes to art and culture, I really just want to be able to not have to like scan a QR code for something, no expectation to share anything on the phone, whether that's social media or even to family and friends. Just, And that's a big challenge to myself because we all do that all the time. I think what's interesting to me about phoneless spaces or spaces with phones, which is most of the places that we go in the whole world these days, the emotional effect so I see and I feel 
this ripple effect of agitation when you've got to get out your phone. I see it in an airport, I see it at museums, and I can feel it. And we're all just super tense. Like, if I go into the pub and somebody's asking me to scan a QR code to order my food and drink, I just don't really want to be there. So there's an emotional effect to phone spaces versus phoneless spaces, which are so rare. But I love to see people unfurl in spaces where they don't have to use their phone. Yeah, I mean, the problem with being a Luddite with those things is, I don't know if you have this problem, but I have got storage spaces in, in basically everywhere that I've ever lived. I've just got storage spaces around the world. Because I'm keeping those tickets, like you said, and I just end up with these massive plastic boxes filled with theatre tickets that what the hell am I going to do with them? Who knows? Nobody knows. But I have now paid for a space in which to keep those tickets. So, yeah, it's, it's, got, it's got to be a bit of a balance on there. I'm trying to embrace like both sides. Yeah. <laughs> Of course there is. And I am probably a, a slight hoarder at the same time as a Luddite. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I think that's part of that nostalgia that I was talking about of wanting to walk into an exhibition space that didn't feel like an exhibition space. It just felt like a recreated kind of mid to late 90s space because I think that there was an ability to access the internet. There was the ability to have the mobile phone, but it just, you know, it was that last frontier before it all kind of became totally um, subsumed within that. And also, you know, that was childhood, so I don't know. It might just be attached to, to that nostalgia too. But it did feel like that was the last time when a balance of some sort was possible. Although I remember that blue line, you know, connecting to the internet. So I'm not saying that, that I miss that particularly. Like, t- waiting 25 minutes to get asked Jeeves to come up with an answer. Yeah, that, that, was, that was not the one. But yeah, <laughs> trying to get the best of both worlds and seeing what we can do. Okay, so we have the rave space, the cavernous rave where we can escape by looking up um, at the same time as being sardined with other bodies (laughs) experiencing the smell of links. (laughs) The fine art, dark woods, beautiful democratisation of exhibiting pieces. You can put up whatever you want and it smells of sandalwood. No phones anywhere. We've had to put them in a lock bag before we've got in here. We're wearing our best, whatever that looks like, whatever your favourite outfit is where you feel absolutely exquisite. And you also mentioned this more ethereal pastel pink aquas. What's this? Let's explore. Right. This is a space where you have no reference points because I guess as an antithesis to the nostalgia, there's this need to just be in places and amongst things of which I have. I mean, it's quite impossible when you get to my age to have no reference points whatsoever, but a minimal reference points. I want to experience things without any of that. So maybe, you know, just listening to music and watching films and TV that I don't know how this would happen. I'm sure it would have to have some kind of algorithm in order to make this happen because how would it know but you know it's a dream space so you know just dreaming dreaming and so just sit in this space and it's like pastely accepting um relaxing space for a couple of hours or walk around or whatever it is and just really absorb newness and feel like you might find some things that you absolutely hate or you think you hate and other things that you love and kind of not really knowing what any of that experience is going to be having no information about it beforehand 
and just really going through it anew. I love the fact that people don't have any information about it. I like the idea that this could muster some kind of primal courage <laughs> to just be and just experience. Well, yeah, yeah, it is courage. You're right. It's a, it, it is what you need because we are so used to having everything written out for us. And just, yeah, w- what are those moments where you really don't know what to expect and what happens to all of your nervous system really when you have to deal with that like moving around to new places everyone experiences a little bit where at first it's really really hard and then I do think like new pathways kind of open up and you find yourself realizing that you've changed in certain ways that you would never have realized if you hadn't brought this new thing into your life and you're not actually the same person as you were five years ago etc etc so totally a solo like nobody else in there so that you are just getting this experience of newness that's very much individualized to you so there's no one there who could go oh I've seen this before or you know give you any of that information maybe then when you come out there's a like more people and you get to discuss that with each other I think definitely the rave spaces of communal space is one that needs to be shared and you can like find your physical spiritual connections within that space let's talk about sounds it's, everything is possible in the dream space of sabrina for sure in our rave neon big space what can we hear oh well yeah this is where i'm i'm really unimaginative because i am completely stuck in 1996 to 2002 so um i mean it's just gonna be i guess like someone like shy effects um there's just something about that jump up jungled bassy beats that really make me kind of happy no matter what it's something that just feels so vibesy so happy no aggro to it at all even though obviously back in the day it wasn't there was an aggro vibe to the scene sometimes but um, the music itself was was always a, a place of real joy so I'd be trying to convert people to, to see it like that even if they didn't think they liked it it's such a unique sound isn't it jungle how would you describe it to somebody that just doesn't know the genre at all <laughs> well I have been trying to do this when when I've been in LA I just always call it like it's a it's like a jump up and down bassy <laughs> bassy beats and it's just it's hard what would you say you tell me I definitely think it's all encompassing like it's a bodily sound I feel like you can feel it like to your bones and I think there are certain music beats and sounds there where we're actually able to like stomp it out and I say jungle is probably one of them genres definitely and I do think that the I don't know it does seem like sound and and healing and like the physicality of the body and how it it needs to respond to to sound has got more things involved even if it wasn't jungle I I'm going to say that I would want all the music to be bodily felt because I like the way that you put that body music. Can you imagine any performances happening? Is there anybody that you would like to actually commission? You mentioned Shy FX. I feel like he gets a slot on the lineup. Is there anyone else? I mean, there's just, there's so many people that I like, but I always feel like, you know, you're leaving somebody out, you're doing something. So 
there's something about having a dream space that <laughs> doesn't need any curation. That's kind of a dream for me. And I have no idea how it, they would end up being performers there. But as soon as this is a dream space, I'd like them to appear without my need to curate them and for them to be not necessarily the ones that I would have thought of. I do like melding things together, though. I got quite electrified when I saw TV plays happening again during the pandemic because you couldn't go to the theatre. So I really loved that. And I just thought, oh, why don't we have like that more, like bringing together the forms and moulding and and clashing like what we know as form? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, the NT Live... National Theatre live um, recordings of plays are like some of the best plays I've ever seen sitting in the cinema and watching the actors' faces close up for, you know, two and a half hours and it's just really speeding by and kind of realising that my seats are always like so high up in a theatre that I've never actually seen an actor's face with that much detail in a play and like it's incredible, oh my God, they're actually crying, you know, all of that stuff. And I saw Inuit Ellen's Barbershop Chronicles on a VR headset, which was something that they were experimenting with for a while. And it was unbelievable, like such an immersive theatre experience, but just sitting at home, like able to go and get a drink or whatever, whenever you want. And it really, really was great. And I'm not sure what happened with that. Um, I kind of feel like everything's like surging forward with VR and stuff in a way that's kind of leaving behind the way that it can be used with what we already have, just experiencing the older forms in, in new ways. So I hope that at some point that kind of comes comes back around when everybody's stopped like swimming in aquariums. <laughs> you can't dilute the art form and power of live theatre, but you can take it to other spaces I think which is what's so exciting about that yeah definitely yeah and it's just it's just a different uh, different experience and and sometimes you know it just depends on what's going on in life like sometimes live things aren't always the best for people you know sometimes you do need to hear a story and you need to hear someone say it and you don't want to sit around 200 other people whilst it happens and sometimes you absolutely have to otherwise you're not going to hear that story properly Let's keep moving through your dream. What else might we find? I have a little idea, but I don't know if you're going to like it. (laughs) You mentioned that you have storage spaces all around the world. Yes. With your stuff, right? Nostalgic things that might not mean anything to anybody else. But in terms of archiving, this is a dream and we have limitless space. Mm -hmm. And we have some really defined, lovely rooms that we're moving through. Why could we not display some of your journey? Like, I would love to see what different pieces of art you've seen around the world. Like, what what have you experienced, you know, somewhere that I've never been? And, and could you tell me about it? Like, can we put some of that stuff on display? Oh, look, see, there you go. I didn't know what my dream was. And then you told me what it was. And I'm like... A retrospective! Of course, of course that's my dream, <laughs> is like making use of the storage. I mean, that is how this all happens. Like, you know, I like to pretend that it's all just for romantic or emotional and nostalgic purposes. But I do think that genuinely when I was a kid, I was thinking, you know, one day was to do that. Like, you know, just make huge pieces with all these things that I constantly collected, um, matchboxes and... 
ticket stubs and all of this stuff. And my mum had always made like these huge epic scrapbooks every time we did any sort of big event or holiday or anything. There was just these beautiful decorated scrapbooks. So I think it, it kind of came from that, like making your everyday experiences into art of some kind. It's just a beautiful documentation of like lives that otherwise would not be commented upon. So I love that. I love that somebody else could do that for me because this is a dream space and I just like, you know, make sure it was chronologically in order or something like that. <laughs> that is the dream. <laughs> yeah. That is the dream. Someone just literally organising all of your stuff in, in a way that is, is art. Oh my God, yeah. I mean, that's it. That's it. That's the dream space. And I would just live in that space then forever, looking at all my lives that are now so artfully described. What countries might we go to in that space? Because I feel like you've travelled a lot. So what are we going to see? Photographs and ticket stubs and trinkets and matchboxes like from all around the world? Yeah, like hotel room key cards, like menus, bottle tops. Oh my God. <laughs> just, I don't do that anymore. I literally come back with like extra suitcases just filled with like napkins. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely not. I mean, the customs people, if they'd have ever searched my bag, they'd have been like, oh, God, you poor thing. But, yeah, so so there'd be, I mean, there'd be a lot of fun stuff, actually, from London nightclub world as well. I do think one day I definitely need to do that. So maybe for the rave space, I'd, I'd add that in there, chill-out corner. Got the flyers. I unfortunately didn't keep the really special stuff, like all the clothing that was worn. I do have a lot of tags from the clothing. Do you, if, I don't know if you remember the days when you used to have like the tags hanging off the trousers and then go out with the tag hanging off so that people knew <laughs> that those trousers were real. They were real Versace. They were real Dolce & Gabbana. They were real machine. Yeah, so I've got a lot of those tags that um, came off when I sold the trousers to yep. vintage shops in Notting Hill who totally skanked me. <laughs> but, you know, it was my own fault. I've got the flyers. I've got the tape packs. I've got the coasters loads of little bits from all of that so I do think that yeah if, if we go from like 1999 to sort of 2005 six, I would have quite a good collection of like this is what it was like to party in London every night of the week <laughs> we can get some glass cases for this this is excellent yeah I yeah. can see it I'd, I'd love it <laughs> And would you implement anything that actually is nurturing within that? Like, do you look back, like, you do talk about the fact that you partied a lot, you've travelled a lot, you've done a lot of amazing things and you're still, like, really young and there's so much more to come. It's really exciting. But is there anything that you would reflectively like to tell your younger self that we can put into that space of like this is what it was like this is how exciting it was but maybe I wish I thought a little bit about this I guess a more of a sense of making the most out of like the groups of people that you meet and like maybe trying a bit harder to establish some sort of collaborations with people and stuff because I think what kind of happened is then that became like one scene and then you'd I'd work with people outside of that scene, but about that scene. If I could, I would try to be a bit more balanced about the work side of 
being in that space and, and how you can turn it into various pieces of art, I think. And take more footage because at the time there were no camera phones. So even though I did document a lot with a old school camera, that was mostly an iron upper and I, I didn't really take the camera out to London locations that much and, and I just think that that's, that would have been great to have a bit more photography, a few more videos from that era. So maybe in the rave space that smells of links and the chill out area where we have your retrospective of flyers and like all sorts of brilliant, beautiful worldly bric-a-brac from partying to traveling we have a photographer because there's no phones a really good photographer can like follow you and your crew around and just take loads of incredible pictures where you look fantastic because you're in your best outfit anyway (laughs) and then you get them at the end of the evening or the end of the experience nice yes I like that I like this space (laughs) me too one of the sort of political things that we would need in the space is, is around, you know, pay and and time expectations because I think with all of this beautiful art curation and experience, it's just, we still haven't figured it out. Like, I know some places are trying the universal basic income as a way to look at, like, if that helps. Um, but there's just so many hours expected of you it's really really and not just expected of you you expect of yourself in order to achieve what you're trying to achieve and that's not just making art that's kind of it's just so constant and everybody's living on such a small amount of money and not getting a huge amount of reward in any other way in terms of like benefits or holiday pay or anything like that so I think having something some some group of people in this dream space that are like really experimenting with what could work well I think I want to know is Sabrina Mafuse's dream space a safe space or what does that mean everybody has their own idea of what that is and it's been used so much it's it's one of these words that if you used it five years ago would have like very solid meaning and now I kind of I don't know what it means anymore so I don't know I'd like to think that it was a a space where people can find some safety to be themselves and you know I would hope that it would be a space where nobody would make anyone else feel unsafe on purpose but I do think that to guarantee a safe space is not something that I would feel is possible in this time because it requires like everybody actually communicating all all the time about what that means for them um so if that was encouraged then hopefully it would feel like it could be a safe space for everyone i think the right spaces give us all the autonomy to be able to create our own safety you know and and, and our dreams are great places to explore that How would you like people to go away feeling? We are leaving this incredible triple room extravaganza. We've learned so much about you. It's been so nice. We feel different from being in the pastel liminal space. Like we feel good. It's been cool. Um, But is there a specific thing that I can take away? 
I'd like people to just feel like the one thing that they've been thinking about recently that they've not wanted to do because of whatever reasons they've been, obstructions they've been putting in front of themselves, whether it's, you know, going and, and trying uh, a new class where they're not going to know anybody or whether it's if they've got the money to doing like a new destination for a travel or whether it's just, you know, applying for a job that they think they're not good enough to go for. I don't know, just anything that they've been putting off that they would feel like, oh, do you know what? I'm just going to do it. Because I think like looking at somebody else's dreams and, and having those open spaces that enable you to see things anew, really for me the, the point of those is that each individual is able to go and like make their own dreams whatever they might be in that moment to make that dream become somewhat real I'm Gemma Kearney and you've been listening to Dream Space from Factory International. Today you heard Sabrina's vision and you can join us next time as our next guest takes us on a journey around their dream space. If you enjoy this episode, make sure that you like and subscribe it, share it with your friends. Your support really does mean a lot. And if you can't wait until the next one, then head to Factory International's website to find more exciting artistic content on Factory Plus. Dream Space was hosted by me, Gemma Kearney, and the series is produced by Katie Callan and Tess Davidson, with sound design by Femi Oriogan-Williams and theme music by Carmel Snickerskill. The executive producer is Dan Jackson, and it is a reduced listening production for Factory International, curated by Scott Smith and Alex Mannion-Jones. Goodbye. Goodbye. Keep dreaming. Goodbye. Keep dreaming. Goodbye.